Hello and welcome to 40 Guard Live. I'm Derek Menke and uh, joining me today is my colleague Jim Richberg, our global public sector field CISO. How are you doing, Jim? Um, it's great to be with you, Derek. Yeah, great, great to talk to you. Um, today we want to talk about um, OT, the OT landscape, OT threats, and we'll solve all those problems in 15 minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a big subject, a lot happening, a lot of very interesting things happening. And I know, Jim, that you you are on a daily basis uh, talking to customers uh, in the OT space, of course. You have a lot of background, also yourself, experience in this too. Um, at, you know, Historically, fo following this landscape as it's evolved and changed to where we are at today. So I just wanted to, to ask you, in your, in your recent interactions with customers, what's been front of mind? What have been in those conversations in terms of concerns customers are seeing and, and steps uh, to address that? So OT always feels a little bit different than the classic theft of intellectual property that we talk about, because, you know, with with IP breaches, you've seen the same thing I have. Organizations are in denial that it happened. It's ambiguous what the impact is. But if you have an OT attack, it is visible. And while you may not understand the full consequences, if your organization is shut down by something like ransomware, your your nose is literally rubbed in what's happening. So that uh, the geopolitical context, the fact that, you know, we've got the conflict in Ukraine continuing on and on and not Petya, of course, ha from 2017 launched into Ukraine was the most destructive piece of malware we've seen to date. So mm. I, I hear organizations all the time saying, should I worry about being the target of an attack or am I going to be collateral damage? Am I going to get caught in the crossfire of an OT attack that spills over into my direction? So it's a top of mind issue over and over again. Ransomware, which may or may not be the most damaging thing they need to worry about, is certainly the most visible. Um, and the organizations that are starting to put some thought into this are those that are not just the classic manufacturing organizations that know they have OT. Everybody's starting to say, wow, you know, I have smart building technology. I have things like IoT increasingly in my environment, even if in a hybrid operating environment, that are actually operational technology. And then organizations that are looking a little further down the line are saying in the US, we've got this money, $1.2 trillion coming in to refresh critical infrastructure. All critical infrastructure has a digital dimension to it. It all has operational technology in it. We really ought to think about how to secure that stuff. And oh yes, Congress passed a law this year that says we're going to have to report significant incidents to the federal government within two years when they affect our OT assets. So yeah, mm -hmm. Derek, this is a top of mind issue for so many organizations these days. Yeah, and it, it's so, um, it's broad and deep at the same time in a sense that we're seeing, you know, if we look at 40 Guard Labs and, uh, you know, we, we have a OT report, of course, we uh, released and, and um, you know, 40 Guard Labs is what we see on a daily basis. We're able to see obviously breakdown attack activity from the large volume that we're seeing for all exploits and malware and things, uh, all the stuff you just talked about, ransomware and, and, and so forth. But what's interesting is if you look at OT, of course, um, it's a superset, right? Because we're, we're not just talking about critical infrastructure. We're talking about all these devices and sensors now, uh, smart sensors, things that are put into all of these different areas, think mining and, you know, forestry to, to oil and gas and, and you know, obviously all, all the traditional crude infrastructure stuff. So it's a very wide surface, right? But then you have 
all of these, um, you know, um, attack points that we're actually seeing activity in, right? If you look out from FortiGuard Labs, and not surprising here, Jim, on, on my side, right? But if you look at the some of the number one attack vectors, we're seeing IoT devices, again, things that are sitting a la those sensors uh, in the networks. We're seeing, you mentioned 20, 2017, um, uh, you know, we're seeing uh, older vulnerabilities from that era, like, uh, Eternal Blue, Double Pulsar, specifically, right. uh, that are also, you know, um, impacting OT environments. And again, it's things that are five years old now, but we're still seeing activity on that broader surface. But then, uh, probably more concerning to me is we're seeing that when, when, it, when I say it goes deeper, the more sophisticated part. I know we, we've talked about this before, Jim, but the advanced persistent cybercrime, we're seeing not just these, you know, big, big spray of attack activity on double pulsar or IoT devices. Yes, we see that. But one of the most concerning things we saw this year was um, uh, Industroyer version 2, uh, as an example. Mm -hmm. So this was OT specific malware, again written for these environments it was actually an update from industrial which was uh, an older module but um you know th this was uh brand new released with wiper malware right mm -hmm. just those two words <laughs> alone are scary combined but it, it is this convergence and just an example of that an actual example of that advanced persistent cybercrime we're talking about because it was ot specific malware that was being released with not just one caddy wiper was one of those but more than one, right? Um, there was like uh, awful shred. There was sol solar wipe. There was two or three wipers affecting Linux and Windows machines. You know, case in point, though, you know, malware targeting these environments that had a destructive nature uh, in, uh, in mind with it. And you know, yes, somewhat isolated into uh, not high volumes of this right now, but just the cap capability we're seeing starting to hit these OT environments surely uh, must be a concern to customers too, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing that, that really distinguishes the OT and the IT environments is how long we keep OT up and running. You talked about five-year-old exploits. That's that, you know, where we recognize OT systems may run for 20 years or more. You know, we don't even, we're certainly not using 20-year-old, well, we, we are in the mainframe world, but but certainly at the desktop level, we've gone back beyond Windows, you know, 3.1 at that point. But, you know, it, it is something where the oldies but goodies, people are still using them in their production environments simply yeah. because the cycle is so much slower to update and refresh on the OT side because if it ain't broke, you know, and it all costs money and therefore they run this stuff a lot longer. So those older exploits, you have to find smart ways to mitigate because it's not just a matter of saying i'll get it in the next refresh cycle that's that could be you know a decade off yeah um and another example of this too is um the communication protocols themselves a modbus right a very very old protocol that i believe was born out of the rs232 <laughs> serial connection world uh, that is now ip connected right just like these sensors but that is actually in terms of the protocols themselves we're seeing a you know, those protocols weren't built with security in mind. And um, again, this isn't surprising, but just something we see a lot of it, just like in the Windows world, we see a lot of attacks on uh, the SMB protocols, you know, Windows file sharing, right? Again, something that's been around forever, we still see a lot of attacks on that same thing here. But but, again, those, but, but to that example, Derek, people then, then you know, Microsoft's answer to that is to say, stop using SMB1. You know, we told <laughs> you that 10, you know, almost 10 years ago, and, and you almost consciously have to decide to be old, but we don't have that option on a lot of the OT that's... Right. 
you know, that protocol is still the protocol, the default. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so we, we also released a, a survey, an OT survey recently. There's a lot of stats, numbers in there. What, what stood out to you in there? Just you want to walk us through a couple of those points. So, so Derek, I feel like the report card was mixed. There was, there was good news, bad news. Uh, the good news is that investment in OT security is growing, and it was growing faster than it is in IT security. I think it was about a, roughly a third faster year over year. So, uh, you know, if you go with, you know, Drucker's law, that which gets measured improves, maybe it depends if you're measuring the right things, it certainly gets attention. And I think one of the interesting things in this survey was the front office, the C-suite is increasingly focused on OT security. The challenge is they're still having OT security run by the operations guys. So they're looking at it through the lens, through the metrics of how does it affect operations? It's understandable, but it means that the kinds of things we look at as measures of progress in security, like vulnerability detection and mitigation, tend to be farther down the, the stack uh, as things they look at compared to how is this affecting my operational tempo? Have I had a, you know, has it had an impact on production? So, you know, it's, it's, it's mixed news. Mm -hmm. um, the bad news is 93% of the organizations in the survey said that they were breached and most of those breaches affected OT and what something like 78% were, were serially victimized at least three times. So, you know, it was the few, the proud who were not reporting any breach at all. And if we go with the idea that in, unlike an IP breach, an OT breach would have been noticeable, then that means we have some organizations that were doing something right. Or maybe they simply weren't targeted, but given what you and I know about the threat world, odds were somebody was banging on them. So look at those organizations to see what they're doing. And those tend to be the ones that had things like good reporting of all OT activity into mm -hmm. the SOC that had done vendor consolidation. We were seeing in the survey that a lot of organizations were reporting up to eight vendors in their security solution stack. Those that didn't get breached were the ones that had simplified, consolidated around single source solutions. So, you know, there, there definitely was a mixed report card, but but there was yeah. some good news along with the, we're still getting popped a lot in, in operational technology organizations. Yeah, the, the consolidation point, I think, is quite interesting as well, too. That's an interesting correlation because we often talk about why why we need, you know, the convergence of networking and security and consolidation, right, is in order to, because you know, if you look at a threat landscape report, and this is certainly also what we're seeing in OT, is that that uh, theme of speed, right? We're seeing these attacks also because there is automation orchestration being put in by the attackers. As you said, there's um, attacks on not not direct on on the plants and on um you know on operations but as a second step for lateral movement hitting and impacting those operations right but that that's all happening much quicker now right and yeah i mean if you if you have eight security vendors or ten and you don't have that integration from a SOC perspective where they're reporting in like you said how are you going to be able to detect that and mitigate that right but often it's too late by the time they actually hit the operations it's also interesting you said um, there's a, a focus of looking at will this impact operations, right? And I think unfortunately that question is asked too many times, uh, you know, before an attack happens. And then of course, once we actually see these attacks happen, time and time again, we've seen it. Yes, when an IT network is hit, operations can and will be impacted, right? 
And we recognize that in the OT world, you know, you, you look at reliability, you look at safety, and then you look at security third. So part of it is, I think, in the nature of the business. But uh, and that's where I find the survey interesting. If you look at the organizations that were among those that didn't report breaches and look at what they're reporting, they were the ones that reporting some of the were reporting some of the more classic measures like vulnerability detection and mitigation, the kind of things we, we typically talk about. Yeah, well, we report those things on the IT side. Those are almost done by exception on the OT side. But those are the organizations that because they're building a culture around security, I think are able to sort of break above the how does this directly affect operations in the bottom line to say we've got to do security, you know, for for these other reasons as well. Those are the same organizations that routinely report all compromises to the front office, not just the ones that have that operationally noticeable impact. So I really think there are some lessons learned if you look at the, you know, the, the poster children of success in there and say people process and technology, what processes, what technology, you know, and then even not so much, we didn't really, they were larger organizations as a rule. But, you know, I think there really are some lessons we can draw from that survey that'll point us in directions of good things we can do to increase OT security. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's absolutely necessary. Of course, we have to remind ourselves what we're talking about here. We're talking about operational technology. I mean, these these are big stakes, right? This is uh, high risk, um, uh, high risk environments. There's high risk threats that we're talking about. Going back to um, Petya, not Petya. I'm glad you mentioned that in 2017. That was the first, by the way, fake ransom note that we saw tied to um, to destructive you know, a destructive malware campaign, right? I was a wiper malware. And I think that attack, if, if if I remember correctly, it was, of course, these are estimates, but it was estimated to cause, I believe, over 10 billion, with a capital B, right. <laughs> dollars of damage, right? From, yeah. from, and, from one and, attack. Including hitting some very sophisticated organizations, those, you know, sort of, you know, global 2000, Fortune 50 companies that we tend to think as, having very resilient, robust cybersecurity. And a lot of them got, got flattened by this as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so we talked about a consolidation of security vendors reporting into the SOC. Obviously, there's, there, there is some bad news out there that we've talked about, but uh, you know, I think still simple, some simple measures can lead to success here, like we talked about. I mean, I, I talked earlier about the, the, the traditional culprits that we see in Modbus attacks and, you know, obviously having inspection for those protocols and, and all of that. You talked about consolidation. Any other closing uh, points, some things to keep it simple? No, I think that we're, if you don't try to solve it all at once, you know, if you literally say, I'm going to start by, you know, I want to measure the right things. I mean, that's something you can simply say, hey, I want to you know, yes, I want it in my next refresh cycle or in my next hiring wave, maybe I'll change the way I do the reporting to the SOC, but you can decide I'm going to report things to the C-suite, but the CEO or the CTO or someone can actually say, I want this kind of reporting that you can address readily. So step by step, I think will help bring these enterprises in the direction of greater OT security. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. hundred uh, percent visibility is key. And um, as we always say, you can't protect against what you can't see. Right? Exactly. So, all right, Jim. Uh, thanks so much for joining me again. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. And, uh, I always enjoy this, Derek. Yeah, me as well. Look forward to the next one. So Derek Mankey uh, signing off with 40 Guard Live. Mm -hmm.